helping people reach their potential. That's ultimately it. Whether that's in a in a school environment or in a workplace, it's about that person's potential. Not what we think, not what their parents think, or you know, or what their boss thinks, but what they can reach themselves. So, hello and welcome to the Making Impact podcast with me, Heidi Fisher. Heidi Fisher explores how organisations put impact at the heart of what they do and how you can too. Amy Elastriades is the founder of Alpha Inclusion and Communication, working with neurodivergent young people and helping them to access education and workplaces. She's the author of Building Blocks for Communication, activities for promoting language and communication skills in children with special educational needs and other books too. And in this episode, she talks about Lego, impact and much more. Here's your host, Heidi Fisher. Hi, Amy. I'm really happy to have you with me today. Could you tell me a little bit about your background and what you're doing at the moment? Hi, Heidi. Yeah, um, I'm Amy Lestriades. Um, I have worked, oh, too long, probably over 20 years um, with children, young people and and vulnerable adults uh, in social care, education, uh, kind of health settings. And I currently run, I'm a founder and and I run um, Alpha Inclusion and Communication, which we're a small organisation based in Norwich, in Norfolk. And we basically work with um, neurodivergence in helping them access education and um, the workplace. So 20 years, you're similar to me. I've spent 20 years working in the social enterprise world. So what what stands out for you as one of your highlights of the last 20 years then? Uh, I I tell you what, um, the best thing, because we do so much around communication. We work a lot with young people with autism. We work a lot with their and adults with autism and some that aren't diagnosed. But one of the best things is realising when I went to uh, Brazil for three months in my early 20s, I did some voluntary work in a children's home over there. And the realisation that um, regardless of the fact that I didn't speak much Portuguese when I first arrived is how um, people can communicate um, in in some sort of like common language. We'll find a way, we'll find a way. And I think... Um, that the highlight was kind of realizing that head, shoulders, knees, and toes translates directly, <laughs> regardless of whether you sing it in English or broken Portuguese or anything else. So I, I think it's that you can find connections and you can find solutions to what some people might see as barriers, uh, regardless of of where you are and, and how old you are and and whatever's going on. And it is just having that problem solving approach to something that can that is useful. I think that that's probably it. That that kind of the realization over twenty odd years. With that realization, did you then come back and start to work differently with with the the children and young people that you were working with, or did it take a a while for you to adapt? <laughs> Um, I think it's been an ongoing evolution of, of my work. I think, um, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I guess I don't see it as work. I don't know if that, yeah, I think over the years, it's, I'm, I'm from a big family anyway, so um, I'm used to interaction and, and, and communication in lots of different forms. And I think, um, yeah, definitely being in Brazil definitely gave a whole different element to it. Um, and and it kind of, I guess it, it kind of, the realisation that, um, regardless of age or or culture or wh- wherever you are in the world, there there are always going to be 
kind of barriers linked to communication. Um, so yeah, coming coming back and and throughout throughout my kind of career, if you like, I've, I've realised that those things can um, uh, almost, especially the communication and, and the social interaction, uh, can almost become uh, the difference between success or, or not. So one young man I've recently worked with over the last few years, he's a very intelligent young man, um, absolutely brilliant, so, so lovely to sit and talk to. I've learned so much from him, but because of that element of not understanding that communication or the social interaction, he was going to be permanently excluded from his school. And it, just last, a few weeks ago, I, I found out that he was he's kind of on track to go to one of our top universities to do economics. And it's that that kind of moment that you you can I can take almost back to Brazil, really, to that, that moment when you when you go, oh, actually, maybe there's a way around this. Maybe there's a, something we haven't seen. And, and when you're in another country having to do, you just get on with it and you, you just find solutions to things that you didn't realise you could solve. So I think, yeah, I think that experience kind of carried on, mm. <laughs> carried on through. That's really interesting. So in terms of the the types of impact that you have on um, young people, obviously you mentioned there about that young man in terms of his um, story. What what other types of impacts come out of the work that you're delivering? Um, so actually the key things, there is the, the kind of direct work we do and that's kind of the, the main aim. But I think more importantly is that long-term sustainability. So we don't, I, I hate the, the kind of, anyone seeing us as the specialists coming in to fix something it doesn't work like that really we're people that have had a variety of experiences in different settings and if we can help people who it's their first experience of of seeing some of these problems then then and we can help them understand the nature of that young person it means that that support is there long term so if it's a, a family member or if it's a, a key staff member in a school for example who's going to be with that young person longer term it makes more sense for for us to work with them alongside that young person so the impact really is kind of promoting and, and developing an understanding in the, the the bigger picture and, and the bigger environment um, of that young person as well as them as supporting them directly. So we do support them in terms of upskilling uh, them. So it might be that we do almost like mentoring and training around the communication skills or, or the, their social interaction or just understanding why people behave the way they do. You know, for a logical thinker, we, we don't make sense generally <laughs> socially wise. So we do that in terms of the mentoring, but uh, in in a, a broader sense, we also do the training and the the, the um, understanding and uh, supporting the understanding and supporting the the other people, the adults around them, makes that work work uh, more sustainable long term. So there's always going to be that person that understands them near them. And then go, but we've just recently started to do some more in the workplace. So I do communication skills development generally um, for businesses, but also. Again, you know, workplaces are very particular. Actually, the, the environment's changing a lot, and there are lots of neurodivergence that are very happy with that, which is good, you know, because actually it, you can have some amazing skills and loads of ideas, but if, if you're not confident communicating them in a large group of people, they'll never get heard. So um, so the impact for them is, and the businesses is that in terms of their, their best workers that aren't so um, good at communicating in 
you know, in bigger groups or or in a particular way, we help them understand that if, if the process is different and if they put more support in in a different way, they get the best out of of, it, of those people. So I, I guess it's I guess I always see it as helping people reach their potential. That's ultimately it. Whether that's in a in a school environment or in a workplace, it's about that person's potential not what we think not what their parents think or you know what their boss thinks but what they can reach themselves so it's just enabling that and empowering that really that's um a really nice way to to kind of frame it and and I love the fact that you're not just going in and and working with the young person and Mm -hmm. and then disappearing off the fact that you're you're leaving them with with people that that are equipped with the right skills around them. And I think that's quite a, an important thing that's often missed out of a lot of the, the support that's provided. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, so I'm a, a qualified teacher and, um, and I used to do a work, social worker in a home, a residential homes and schools. And it, you soon realise that actually it's a lot more to it than just that one person because when you're talking about social communication interaction it is about the other people we're interacting with as well so um and we're no good to anyone if we go in and do six weeks and come out and the issue hasn't been you know really dealt with in some ways we can make the make it more of a problem because they you know they had someone around for six weeks to do some work and now they're gone so yeah ultimately um when I started my outreach position working for a local council we must have been about 13 years ago now um and I remember saying in the interview I want to be out of a job in five years because if I'm doing my job right it means the people around should know what I know so and and I'm always learning and I can always keep giving more but ultimately I don't I don't want to have to be uh, we don't want to fight fires we want to be uh, like their long term we want we want to make sure someone is there long term that's one of the things I say the the ultimate goal of every charity should be to close down because yeah, yes. <laughs> they've solved whatever problem they were set up to to work with rather than they they become how can we keep going for another 10 or 15 years yeah yeah no absolutely I, yeah I'm still surprised I did that genuinely kind of um I was doing outreach work as a, a kind of outreach teacher and I just saw that we needed to work with the families as well as the schools. You have to have everyone involved if possible. And uh, and I thought to myself, right, I'll do it for six months, see how it goes. And then like eight years on, that, that was quite a, quite a long six months. But yeah, I, I do genuinely think that. And if you go into a piece of work to do that, then I think even if you you know people come back there are always going to be ups and downs and and people come back when they need you but I'd much rather we we kind of give as much as we can and we, we're constantly learning anyway so there's there's plenty more there's plenty more we can learn yeah definitely impact first then then design the activities and support <laughs> no absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so um one of the things that we I think we've, we've kind of skipped over a little bit is how you got into this in the first place why 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 this area of work Ooh, um I think um so I've been working in this kind of field I guess since I was 19 so I I took a year out from uh off, before uni and, and I worked with uh, adults with 
uh, learning disabilities in a residential home. And I almost stayed there, actually. It was my boss at the time and said, Amy, we like you here, but do you think maybe you better go and do your degree that you've already got? You know, that you've got it there. Why don't you go and do it? So the point is, I've never not enjoyed my job. I've always been one of those people that thought, if I don't like something, I'll stop doing it. So um, I think I was always destined to work with people. That, you know, that's just my thing. Um, and then over the years, I've seen, I've worked in public sector and private sector, um, and I've worked uh, in more kind of charity-based work. And in, in all of them, people don't change, the work doesn't change, but um, sometimes the different funding changes or, or how you get the funding. So I think when I set up um, eight years ago on my own, I think it was more about looking at how the work could be and the impact, is the impact, how what we could do if we could have a more flexible approach and, and say to people, okay, tell me what you'd like it to look like, what would it work for you? So I think getting over all the years of learning all the different ways it could be, I was lucky enough to see how, how different approaches could work. So now we can pick and choose a bit. So we don't tend to fit into a box, often like the people we work with. People say, well, you know, what do you do? And I say, well, what do you need? <laughs> you know, so obviously we're within limits. So I can't, you know, I definitely can't create a website for you. That definitely is something I can't do. But <laughs> within what our services, you tell me what would look best for you. So I think being able to have a flexible service over the years and, and learning about the different ways that social care do it and health do it and education do it and being able to use all of those different approaches, I think, has meant that I've stayed in this business, if you like. It's, it, it, people people um, and how people work is, is interesting to me. So I, I guess I guess I don't. I couldn't really imagine doing anything else. <laughs> it's a little bit sad, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I, I think this is um, your calling in life because I, I noticed that you've also written um, several books as well. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, no. do you want to tell me a little bit about the books? <laughs> done some research. <laughs> Not really. It's always uncomfortable. But uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll talk about them. Um, Basically, when you've got stuff in your head, you have to get out of your head. That's that's what those books are. So yeah, there's um, um there's actually three. Uh, there's an ebook that I wrote, um, which was uh, interventions with impact. So that was based on the fact that being a teacher, you get trained how to show impact. You get trained to do a kind of plan, do, review approach, which is great. Um, but a lot of the kids um that that needed the most support were working with. Um, absolutely brilliant practitioners, brilliant teacher assistants, brilliant support staff who hadn't been trained how to show that impact. They knew instinctively that it was working, but it was difficult to show that. So, so the ebook is about that process and, and helping look at what data is already there instead of reinventing a wheel and looking at more assessments and all those things. So doing the least amount of, of kind of paperwork for, for people that are already doing the job, just showing how that impact is. So that, that was the ebook. The one that everyone always seems to talk about is the Lego one uh, or Lego based one, which is building blocks for communication. So that was um, over the years, I've used Lego in lots of different ways. And there's a great um, uh, kind of uh, structures uh, play called Lego based therapy, which was originally um, set up in, in a clinic in um, America 
um, and then brought over to um, England, uh, to the UK by um, Gina Gomez. And I actually had a chat with her on Zoom the other day. She was great. It was so good talking to someone. So you let her in lots of different ways. And, and that they um, that kind of structured play I'd used for years. But over the years, I'd, I'd kind of added lots of different activities in. So, for example, um, some children need to uh, struggle a bit with learning vocabulary. So they might be able to talk absolutely fine, but they need to learn specific vocabulary. So then we design some of the Lego activities that help build that, that vocabulary. Um, and that so that is um, looking at using Lego for communication skills or, and language development. Um, and that came about because I was doing all those activities and a head teacher had said to me, Amy, you know all that Lego stuff you do, can you show my staff? So I was like, yeah, because coming from public sector, you just give stuff away. You just you, know, you just do it because if it's helpful, you can have it. Uh, so so I trained them and the head teacher said, um, have you written this down anywhere? And I was like, oh, no, it's, you know, it's in my head. She said, you need to write it down. So it, it was one of those things. So I just wrote, okay, then, you know, the, the publishers said, okay, yeah, let's do it. And then it's now, it, you know, then put it in a book. And then the last one was uh, social survival for the logical thinker. Um, and that kind of came about from all the mentoring we were doing with young people who are very logical thinkers. And basically, it's just uh, explanation of why people do what they do. So lots of different activities to explain why, <clears throat> for example, why you might get in more trouble if you use one swear word compared to a different swear word. So if you're a logical thinker that it makes no sense it's just a swear word but it's all those kind of little gray areas of social etiquette social life um all the things that trip people up if you are kind of trying to apply logic to a social situation so again it was just a like, case of getting it out of my head um and they, they said they published it so that that's that's what's happened <laughs> Wow, amazing. Um, sounds like you're very creative with coming up with these activities with Lego. I don't think my, my creativity is quite at that level. <laughs> well, I, I try not to tell too many people, but I, I always end up telling people that I actually am rubbish at building Lego. I, I really can't do it. But the kids who work with are superb. So I like to say I'm a facilitator of Lego activities. Rather, <laughs> They're expecting me to come up with all these amazing things, but I really can't. So I see the I see the language uh, opportunities, or I see the communication opportunities, and getting them to work together. Lego, it's it's universal and it, it's non-confrontational uh, and it, it's it's uh, safe for a lot of people. So it's a tool um, and it's an effective tool, I think, for a logical thinker. <laughs> I might have to see how I can build this into some of my workshops. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see if, whether it works with impact measurement or not. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that'd be interesting. I have done team building exercises for businesses, actually. Um, we did one for Aviva last year, really. Uh, like, Yeah, and it's amazing. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter what age, you'll get people playing with Lego. Mm. yeah I'm usually trying not to stand on it because my son oh. invariably leaves bits <laughs> everywhere I, I do remember seeing these these lego slippers that they said were just specifically designed for parents <laughs> to wear so that if they stood on a bit of lego they didn't then scream and w hobble around for the next <laughs> 10 minutes <laughs> yeah it is awful for that I've got a three-year-old who's just getting into it even more and yeah exactly the same thing <laughs> Mm. so in terms of plans for the future what have you got planned for the future anything in particular or carrying on doing the same 
Uh, I've got this problem that I can't ca- carry on doing the same. <laughs> it's this thing that I see something else that we could do. Um, if my staff have to come with me, they, they, yeah. they're great. <laughs> but that's really brilliant. And actually often what we do is, is linked to what's needed. So we see, as we work, we say, oh, actually, that seems to be an issue. Maybe we can do something. So we're doing a lot more of the same. So we'd much rather continue like long term doing looking at our quality of what we do then come up with lots of new ideas and services but um we had the block bus uh, built last year last year yeah um so that added was another tool so that's a converted vehicle that we bought and converted um with it's got lego figures on the outside but um on the inside it's like turns into a little mobile learning environment so definitely living in a rural county it's useful to have something that you can take somewhere and then then use um and it's not just for lego it is for for different kinds of things that we can use now what we'd like to do and what i'm probably working on over the next few months is getting a bit of funding so that we can uptake it uh, so we can do socially distanced lego activities um and we uh, what i'd like to do is especially with all the recent things going on is try connecting people regardless of any diagnosis or anything like that but finding ways to get people connecting again because i think there are a lot of people that um still are out there and feeling isolated so we might use if we can we might use the block bus for um get some tablets on board get some wi-fi and start doing some activities that connect people up again definitely a big area a lot of a lot of isolation i think um when i talk to people about um going through lockdown in norfolk i say well we we're all we live a socially isolated life most of the time anyway in that we very rarely see lots of people on walking down the street or anything (laughs) um so it's not quite the same extent to what you'd get if you were living in london in terms of of the the level loss of interaction but i do think that you know it's it's still very very hard um to to not connect with people face to face definitely yeah i think so it's quite it's quite tiring being on zoom all day compared yeah. to real life yes, and there's a lot definitely. missing it's been a really interesting thing from a communication point of view like things like if you're in a meeting you have to use someone's name before you address them because they can't tell if who you're looking at um mm. it is a few of you and that is something interestingly that we do with a young person with autism for example they need that all the time they need you to address them with their name first so it is like there's been a bit of a leveling of the playing field for for some people because mm. um i'm definitely one that likes real life face to face and i've had to learn to adapt but then there are others who are exceptionally good at this form of communication mm. um and not so good face to face yeah, I think um, we've all learnt some things through this last few months, hopefully, at uh, the least about how we communicate and how we can be better communicators as well. Yes, definitely. Um, so if people want to find out more about your work, what's the website or any other social media links that you've got that you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, um, so the website is www.alphaic, so A-L-P-H, aic.co.uk um and then uh my lovely camille who does all our social media um we are on twitter and instagram and facebook and you'll find us under alpha ic1 or alpha inclusion um on those um and 
yeah, you can you can give us a ring as well, um, which you'll find all that information on the website. Um, at the moment, the website has been geared over lockdown. We we put loads of stuff on there for families and schools, but we will be updating it again with the things we're doing for workplaces. Yeah, that sounds like that's going to be a a big area going forward in terms of workplaces Mm -hmm. and and how they can communicate better, um, especially where they've got people, much more people working from home and um, not having the same level of interaction that they would have done previously. Yeah, definitely. You know, when I was doing one um, last week for Nordev, the, the um, our kind of local software developers community, and uh, we were saying that actually, often if businesses just look about productivity and our people being productive at home, that's not that's not good enough reason to keep people out of of meeting or being in an office. You have to look at a range of things. Um, basically, is it efficient, but also can, is it effective? Um, and are people okay? Because sometimes you can only tell if people are okay if they're in front of you because people are good at hiding mm-hmm. if they're okay or not. So it's just, you know, even just checking in on your on your um on your colleagues, that that's gonna be important as well. Mm, definitely. Well, it's been lovely talking to you today, Amy. Thank you so much for joining me. Yo, thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Make an Impact Podcast with me, Heidi Fisher. Before you go, a quick announcement. Heidi's second book, Impact First, The Social Entrepreneur's Guide to Measuring, Managing and Growing Your Impact will be published soon. And you can pre-order a limited edition hardback version of the book through Heidi's website. The book gives you the know-how to measure, manage and communicate your impact so that you can grow your social enterprise. Go to makeanimpactcic.co.uk forward slash my dash book dash impact dash first to find details if you've enjoyed the podcast why not leave a review or rating and if you'd like to be on the show then please get in touch via my website makeanimpactcic.co.uk thank you for listening